0: Hello and welcome to Alone Together, a coronavirus podcast. It is very easy to get lost in the doom and gloom, but we aim to show you some of the positives coming out
1: of a dark and serious time. Yes, on Alone Together, we shed light on the community spirit coming out of the lockdown. We might be self-isolating and staying apart, but many of us are coming together through charitable actions and good deeds. This podcast also looks but the ways we are trying to keep ourselves
0: entertained and connected as we maintain our distance. I'm Matt Millard.
1: And I'm Dan McLaughlin, coming up on today's episode. NHS staff have been given a place to stay in Birmingham in order to carry on with their important work.
2: Let's try and come together and uh, give back to to the people who are, who are doing their utmost to keep everyone safe. And, and ultimately that's the NHS staff, they're on the front line.
0: A dream cruise was left stuck in the South Pacific after the ports closed. One passenger tells us how they formed a community on board.
3: There were certain people on board that were giving sort of ballroom dancing lessons, they were giving language lessons, I started doing a group chat in the evenings up in the crow's nest of people just sort of storytelling and sharing their travel stories and things like that.
1: And goats,
4: yes goats, have taken over a Welsh seaside town whilst the humans have stayed at home. There has been no one around during the Covid uh, lockdown period. then the goats have decided that they want to go exploring around the town. But first, here's an update from the government
1: briefing. Now, we are recording this episode on Thursday morning, that's the 9th of April, and we're expecting updates tonight on when, rather than if, the government will extend the current lockdown. At Wednesday's briefing, Chancellor Rishi Sunak
0: updated us on Boris Johnson's health. The Prime Minister was admitted to the intensive care unit at St Thomas's Hospital after his condition worsened. Johnson is said to be stable, in good spirits, and is breathing without a ventilator.
5: People, I'm sure, will also want an update on the Prime Minister's health. He is receiving excellent care from the NHS team at St Thomas's. The latest from the hospital is that the Prime Minister remains in intensive care, where his condition is improving. I can also tell you that he has been sitting up in bed and engaging positively with the clinical team. The Prime Minister is not only my colleague and my boss, but also my friend, and my thoughts are with him and his family. The news about the PM reminds us how indiscriminate this disease is. Nearly everyone will know someone who's been affected. Friends, family, neighbours, colleagues. This is a terrible virus. That respects no boundaries of status or geography or vocation. But we are not facing it alone. We are all taking part in a collective national effort to protect the vulnerable and each other, to secure our public services and to save lives.
0: It's a bit worrying when one of the most powerful people in the country is affected. It shows that the coronavirus doesn't discriminate, does it, Dan?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's, it is very worrying because when, obviously, initially, this outbreak was happening, we were really concerned about the most vulnerable in our society, you know, particularly elderly people. But when someone like Johnson, who's my parents' age, gets it and he's clearly unwell, he won't be in hospital, he won't be in intensive care without being unwell, it does make you worry about the people around you because if it happens to the Prime Minister, well, it can happen to anyone,
0: really. I think it really brings home the importance of, you know, the self-distancing, only going out when you have to, limiting, you know, to the hours exercise. Um, you know, it, it really does not discriminate and, and, and anyone can be affected. So we really must, as, as a community across the UK, do what we can to,
1: to respect these regulations that have been put in place. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, the thing that slightly cheesed me off though this week is when obviously he was moved to intensive care, and people were on social media as they do. They've got more time on their hands, so they're going to spend it on there. They they were they were sending their messages saying, you know, we hope Boris Johnson gets better. But starting it with, I'm not a Tory, but I hope Johnson's better. Well, compassion doesn't involve party politics. You don't need to tell us where you don't need to tell us where you align politically to be compassionate and with someone good, good luck and good health. I don't, I don't know. It just seems... That's
0: somewhat... it. I, well, I think the, the main thing is um, health and, and compassion amongst humans is, is, is the most important thing now. And everything else that's, that would normally uh, be part of
1: our life is, is kind of irrelevant, really. Yeah, absolutely. There's no need for a take on it. Just wish the man well. You wish every single person who's dealing with this awful, awful virus at the moment. That's it. In these extraordinary times, the Queen addressed the nation using a televised speech to praise frontline workers and assure Britons that we will meet again. This is what Her Majesty said in her address.
4: While we have faced challenges before, this one is different. This time we join with all nations across the globe in a common endeavour, using the great advances of science and our instinctive compassion to heal. We will succeed, and that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. But for now, I send my thanks and warmest good wishes to you all.
1: So Matt, what did you think of the Queen's speech? Well, I have to say, Dan, I'm
0: not—I'm not usually someone who follows the monarchy, and you know, he's, he's really that interested in what they're up to. But seeing the Queen on, you know, national television for something that isn't the Queen's speech at Christmas really does highlight, you know, the, s- the severity of what's happening. And hopefully, those who look at look on onto her as, as someone of influence, hopefully that rings home, and especially maybe the older generations, you know, the importance of staying home
1: and and you know, everyone doing their bit. Yeah, I, I thought the, the speech was sort of pitch perfect. I mean, it's not the Queen who writes it, it's someone else who writes it. But the way it was presented, the way it was, I thought it was spot on. Although I have to say it's unusual. As you said, the Queen's speech is usually at Christmas. So it's unusual to watch the Queen's speech while sober and not wearing a paper hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear,
0: Dan. Well, on Alone Together, we'd like to keep an update on the situation across the entirety of the UK. Our reporter, Morvin McIntyre, spoke to Sam McBride, the Northern Ireland political editor for The Eye.
6: So do you think it is the, it is the right thing of the government to have a lockdown?
7: I think that, there, I mean, in, in political terms, there has been overwhelming support for this and there are very few people who have dissented from this. We, we saw this, this um, very draconian legislation seal through Parliament and there was none of the sort of controversy that we had around Brexit, for instance. Um, And so therefore, I think that in political terms, backed up by the fact that overwhelmingly, this is endorsed as the correct strategy, at least for now, by the scientific and the medical community, makes it very difficult, I think, for the government to do anything other than this. We know that there are countries like Sweden who are going down different routes, but that is based on their own medical um, advice. So the chief medical officer in Sweden has adopted different advice. Um, I think it, there, there there are reasonable um, re- reasons why um, why uh, very reasonable and intelligent people looking at this will come to different conclusions. But if you're a politician or you're a senior civil servant and you're being given very clear advice by your scientific and medical advisors as to what you should do here. These, these politicians, these civil servants, um, are not experts in this area. Of course they're not. And so therefore, it's the a very brave politician or civil servant who says, actually, we're not going to do this. We're going to do something else. It's right that in our, um, democratic system, it's ultimately the people who are democratically accountable to us who take these decisions. But I think that they would have to have very good reason, um, to go against that advice. And when we, when we see somewhere like America, where they've been very sluggish, and um, both in terms of testing and in terms of moving to a lockdown and an element of denial of reality from some um, figures such as President Trump and some of the individual governors of states, that has been catastrophic in certain areas where there has been a rampant spread of this. And ultimately, the economic pain that we are suffering here is being visited on them as well, um, but without potentially the benefit, I suppose, of getting in there quickly and hoping to quell this. And then perhaps at some future point, we have a medical breakthrough. We have um, these antibody tests, which are perhaps more reliable by that stage. Um, And um, at some point, ultimately, we have a vaccine and fewer people have died by that stage. And we have less of the economic disruption as well, hopefully.
6: And how do you think, uh, you know, the government are coping so far? So on the economic side of things, they've introduced a furlough scheme uh, for workers where they'll get 80% of their wages uh, for three months at the moment for up to 2,500 a month. And they've given grants to businesses. So do you think they you know, they've handled it well from that side of things?
7: I think that the government have been very decisive when it comes to the economic aspect of this. I mean, the chancellor has acted with extraordinary speed. His civil servants have acted with extraordinary speed. There is remarkable generosity, I think, in the fact that you have got a Tory government of all things, um, really, um, actually really nationalizing parts of the economy, at least on a temporary basis, and promising 80% of. Um, wages of people up to £30,000 a year salary, uh, that is really quite remarkable and um, in, in, uh, really without any precedent, and um, even in, in the terms of what past Labour governments have done in very significant economic crises. I think where, where there is much more criticism of the government is around the um, the medical response to this and the testing, the lack of um, personal protection um, uh, equipment for medics, the, um, the delay in terms of some of the um, measures which were taken here to, to lock down the country, um, the sense that the government um, was changing its strategy during this. I think that it is it is difficult for us as journalists to, um, to uh, get a handle on some of this because we are not experts in this um, any more than the politicians are experts in this. And so therefore, there is a temptation, I suppose, to report um, a change in strategy as a U-turn Sometimes that's correct for us to report it in those terms. But if the science changes, if the advice changes, politicians are, of course, right to do a U-turn, and that is, that is not what in normal times would be seen as a, as a sign of weakness. Actually, that is exactly what you want them to do. and um, So therefore, I think it, it is difficult at this stage for us as journalists to, um, to make the sort of assessment that we would generally make of, of how a politician is acting here. Um, and there will be a point after this where people are inquiring into this. There will probably be a public inquiry. There'll be all sorts of investigations into how this is handled. Um, at this point, I think um, the clear element that we can communicate as journalists is that people should follow the advice um, in terms of washing their hands, in terms of staying at home, in terms of socially distancing, and also um, that where, where there is a clear and um, unmistakable difficulty, such as the lack of personal protection equipment for medics, that that we put pressure on the government, that we ask the awkward questions, that we um, that we pressure them in terms of answering those in a coherent way. Um, but beyond that, I think there's a lot of this. that at this point, we just cannot tell um, what is um, act- what actually actually should be happening, or whether what is happening happened um, fast enough, or it should have happened much more rapidly.
1: That was Morvin McIntyre speaking to Sam McBride, the Northern Ireland political editor for the Eye. And before we get to the positive community stories, I wanted to share this with you. Now, New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, like many world leaders, has had to field some very important questions during the outbreak. This pressing question was asked on behalf of Kiwi children.
6: Slightly different note. Um, We've had some correspondence from some younger viewers who Mm. are quite concerned this week. The Easter Bunny? Uh, The Easter Bunny. Have you considered any exemption for the Easter Bunny? Because, of course, it would be breaking the bubble of many families. Yes, you'll be pleased to know um, that we do consider both the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny to be essential workers. Um, But as you can imagine at this time, of course, they're going to be um, potentially quite busy at home with their their family as well and their own bunnies. And so um, I say to the children of New Zealand, if the Easter Bunny doesn't make it to your household... Um, then uh, we have to understand that it's a bit difficult at the moment for the bunny to perhaps get everywhere. But um, I have a bit of an idea that maybe in lieu of the bunny being able to make it to your home, you can create your own Easter hunt for all the children in your neighbourhood. So if you're one of those homes that's had a teddy in your front window, um, maybe draw an Easter egg and pop it into your front window and help children in your neighbourhood with their own Easter egg hunt because the Easter bunny might not get everywhere this year.
1: So that was lovely. That was a really nice clip. Matt, are you expecting the trip from the Easter Bunny or have you still managed to get an Easter egg? <laughs> we actually have one in the apartment, uh,
0: which was gifted to us uh, before the lockdown. Apart from that, no. Although I have to say, as a 27 year old, long gone are the years where there were huge piles of Easter
1: eggs uh, waiting for me. Speak for yourself, mate. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I've, I've, I I have to admit, I I had bought an Easter egg for myself. In fact, Bless her, my mum said to me she'll send some money over for it because she wants to keep t- the tradition still going even though we're in lockdown. So she said, buy yourself an Easter egg and I'll send you some money. I was like, "We don't have to. It <laughs> did, did, did anyway. But the Easter egg did not last to Easter Sunday. I had a particular rough day as we all do during the lockdowns. We have our up, up and downs. Um, so I devoured it within minutes the other day. Oh, but no. I, I have since replaced it. Well, we've got to treat ourselves. Absolutely. Now, for many of our NHS
0: workers, staying at home during this outbreak may not be an option. Whether they have to self-isolate from their families to carry out their integral work, or they simply need a more convenient place to travel from, a properties firm in Birmingham have given some health workers a generous option. I spoke to Ben George, joint owner of Redbrick Properties, about their offer. Um, So if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what the company normally do.
2: Me and my business partner set the company up around 18 months ago. Um, we're based in Birmingham city centre. Uh, we usually deal with in uh, the long term rentals, uh, sales, any sort, any form of sourcing for uh, investment clients, etc. Uh, we also have a, another entity of the business, which is uh, we provide service departments for any type of clients that are wishing to come to the city, whether that's in a social aspect or a professional um, and that's all on a short-term basis, and they're they're basically um, marketed on platforms such as Airbnb and Booking.com.
0: Excellent. So we we obviously find ourselves in a in a very uncertain time at the moment where. Yeah, we've had this covid 19 outbreak lots of people are having to stay from home or you know, work from home people are out of work and so on so this this has hit the the property industry in in many ways as it has with with industry across the uk and the world so you found yourself with some properties that were not being filled uh, where where you know payments had already been made so if you just yeah, you know, talk us through what it is that you that you did um, from the start of this outbreak, and you know your offering um, to NHS staff.
2: Yeah, of course. So obviously, our sector's been been hit by it as of, as many others have as well. Um, we found ourselves in a situation where we were receiving cancellation after cancellation for bookings. Uh, this left us with around ten units, eight to ten units uh, that were completely vacant. Uh, so when this first come round. Uh, we had eight to 10 units in which were completely vacant. So what we done, me and Darpinder, we sat down and we went through a strategy of what can we do to get these units filled. So after going through numerous different strategies, we we come to the, the agreement that, you know what, let's not hassle people in times like these. Let's try and come together and uh, give back to so the people who are who are doing their utmost to keep everyone safe, and, and ultimately that's the NHS staff. They're on the front line. Um, so what we done was we offered them, I think it's around two weeks uh, window uh, up until April the second, uh, where they could uh, stay in our places, which were safe places where they could either isolate or just just stay there just to help them get to work quicker or anything like that. Um, we we offered that until April the second, and then for, if they wish to stay there thereafter. We then offered them a fifty percent discount on the usual rates uh, going forward.
0: What's the response been like um, from the NHS or any staff members that have stayed within your properties? Um, I'm presuming they're seeing this is a, a you know real help, especially if they're maybe unable to stay in their their usual residence or if where you are is closer to it to any hospitals or so on. So, has the, the response been positive so far?
2: Yeah, it's been great. Honestly, it's been great. We've had we've had so many people uh, sharing. Sharing the post and it and it's reached a, a lot of people. We've had actually four units that have been taken by NHS staff um, and they're still in there now, um, which is great. Um, that's offered them a safe space because majority of them have uh, young children at home or they're going back to the houses where their mums and dads are there. And some of them are quite high risk. Uh, we have one. We had one that's their, their parents suffer with uh, COPD, which obviously puts them in the high risk category. So they thought it was best to just completely self isolate while they're working and they're still there now. They've it's, it's been it's been great to be honest
0: amazing well i'm glad that things have gone well and you you deserve all the you know the praise online and i hope things continue and you're you you're able to offer these properties for nhs staff moving forward um so if there are any nhs staff listening and they want to get in contact with you red brick do you want to just let us know how how's best to get hold of you or yes
2: yeah, so basically if you've got any um any needs for or requirements for, for accommodation, just send an email over to us at info at redbrickpropertygroup.co.uk and we'll get in touch as soon as we can. And if we can uh, house you, we definitely will.
0: Amazing. Thanks, Ben.
2: Brilliant. Thank you, Matt.
0: And that was my interview with Ben George, joint owner of Red Brick Properties. Thanks,
1: Matt. And next, it was a dream holiday that went very wrong. When passengers aboard a cruise from Auckland departed on March the 1st, They were ready for a trip of a lifetime. However, their plans were disrupted by the coronavirus outbreak. Instead, the passengers were left stranded in the South Pacific after the ports were
0: closed. Alone together's Morvin McIntyre spoke to Terry Shanks, a passenger on board the cruise, with her eight-year-old son Cameron. And she told Morvin about how the passengers came together to keep their spirits up.
6: So I've got Terry here with me now on the phone. Hi, Terry, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. So, um, why did you decide to go on the cruise ship in the first place? I know it was a trip of a lifetime for you and your son.
3: It was, yes. We were actually travelling the world. We've had two years where we've been travelling the world um and basically world school in Cameron. Uh, this particular cruise was booked a year in advance. Um, it seemed a good way when we were circumnavigating the globe to kind of do that last stretch really um, by sea rather than just flying.
6: When did you realise that there may be issues about um, travelling the planned route on the
3: cruise? Well, when we boarded on the 1st of March, it really wasn't a problem at the time. The coronavirus there were isolated incidents around the globe but most of it was still very much around sort of China and Hong Kong. Um, Within I think it was two days of getting on the cruise we were told that the Kingdom of Tonga had closed their ports and we were going to have some additional sea days but we did manage to have the first three stops at three different islands in Fiji Um, but it was after that really that we started to hear that ports were starting to close so that's when it really started to get worrying really. And
6: when this all was going on how did people react to this news um, on the ship?
3: Just seemed to be almost on a a daily basis that was bad news but actually as the cruise went on and we were told I think it was on the 13th of March that the cruise was actually going to be cancelled. I think people sort of I don't know, so became used to the idea. And that's really when the community spirit kind of started. I thought, okay, well, we know we're not going to be stopping anywhere else. And we're just going to form up, you know, enjoy what's left and in, enjoy the rest of the, the time that we've got on board, really. And from then on, I think people started trying to find more things to do on board. So there were certain people on board that were giving sort of ballroom dancing lessons, they were giving language lessons. I started doing a group chat in the evenings up in the crow's nest of people just sort of storytelling and sharing their travel stories and things like that so in a sense the guests became the entertainers and were facilitating their own group to to fill that time at sea we were very lucky in the fact that we became self-isolated having had that long at sea so we didn't have to worry about social distancing so in many ways we were almost sort of cocooned in a little bubble of safety at sea um, and, and just it became an amazing community.
6: Yeah and, and it's, clear, it's clear from what you're saying there that that sounds the case if people were kind of thinking of new activities to do and also managing to avoid that like you said the social distancing as well because you'd been together out there for that long and you also said that the crew were amazing as well so what were they like on board?
3: The crew were really upbeat which was amazing because considering that- at the moment you know for them a lot of their futures still sort of lay in the unknown but they were really upbeat obviously the entertainment staff the cruise director and things like that were going out of their way to to keep us happy all the you know the housekeeping staff the staff in the restaurant they they it was just an amazing atmosphere really. and I think the the crew were going out of their way to support the passengers and the passengers, in a sense, were going out of their way to support the crew because for us, we were sort of, yeah, this is a, a real disappointment, but we knew that we would be sort of reimbursed for it. But for the crew, their, their futures are the ones that are unknown and they could lose their jobs and their livelihood. So I think it was just this sort of really mutually supportive atmosphere between passengers and crew.
6: I'm glad that you managed to get back safely. It just sounds like our... A- incredibly uncertain time. And does it put you off travelling in the future?
3: No, not at all. Um, I can't wait to go travelling again, actually. Obviously, I've come straight home. Although we were self-isolated at sea, I've had to come back through two international airports. So naturally, I've quarantined coming home. Nobody knows at the moment how long the coronavirus crisis is is going to continue. But certainly I know, you know, as soon as we are able again, it's not put me off travelling at all.
1: Now, we've all heard the phrase, you know, when the cats are away, the mice come out to play. Well, it's slightly different in Llandudna, when the humans are at home, the goats like to roam. Yes, goats have taken over the uh, Welsh seaside town after the humans have gone into lockdown. And it's been chronicled, it's been captured over photos and um, video by Andrew Stewart, who's the video producer of Manchester Evening News. And I asked Andrew, what happened?
4: Well, uh, it seems that because uh, there has been no one around during the COVID uh, lockdown period, um, then the goats have decided that they want to go exploring around the town. Uh, they normally live on the the Great Orm, the headland, which is uh, just by the town, towers over it about 600 feet, and they live on the cliffs there. But they like to come down and explore a little bit. But normally they... Uh, they don't go much further than the streets just at the very bottom. It's been a bit different this week, though. So Landadnall's
1: a seaside town, isn't it? It's usually full of tourists uh, probably at probably disappoint with the nicer weather.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's but it's normally it's uh, it's uh, packed with tourists, especially over the summer. Uh, the winter months um, it can be a little bit quieter, uh, but there's still people around. Still people coming to the seaside for a bit of a, a brisk walk in the in the fresher, and it can be very brisk on the uh, on the sea for indefinitely. Uh, but it's only about twenty thousand people in the town. Uh, but when everyone is indoors, then it's it's absolutely silent. There's there's no cars, no people going around, and these goats just. Decided that uh, you know there's there's nothing to stop them going any further uh, than the bottom of the hills, so they they just went. And caused mayhem. What, what? What sort of mayhem? uh They have been well running through the sort of the main streets. So the street that I live on is one of the main streets in town. Uh, it's got pubs and shops and everything on it. um And uh, they were just running down the middle of that the other night at midnight. They've been going into people's gardens all hours of the day and night, just uh, eating flowers. Uh, they've been uh, trimming back hedges uh, by, well, by eating them, basically, and bushes. They've been climbing on walls, climbing on hedges. They've been climbing on houses. Uh, And then they went to the churchyard after their little activity and just um, sat down for a bit and had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a sunbathe and a chill out um, when the weather was pretty nice the other day. (laughs) Well, after all that, May, I'm sure they need
1: a a rest. Well, the thing is, this is a An interesting enough story. Surely it'd be a story you put into your local newspaper. But this has went viral, hasn't it?
4: Yeah, it seems that uh, a few people picked up on the tweets and it started sharing. And then as, you know, one person shares it, someone else finds it and they share it. And then they share it and they share it. And then another person basically had seen my pictures. They posted them and uh, they credited me in there uh in in the post and they got about thirty thousand odd likes or something on their tweets um i think it was that anyway um and it that that meant it just sort of had the domino effect from there and then uh jason manford um <laughs> he shared it to his uh, Facebook page and his Twitter account. Um, And he told me that that is one of the biggest posts he's ever had. You know, it had millions of people uh, on that. Um, And I even went on his, uh, did a recording for his radio show. Um, And he told me that it was absolutely massive for him. And, you know, you can try and do anything that you want. You can try and have... The, the best produced content in the world people want goats apparently <laughs> <laughs> so i mean this is not just
1: massive in the uk it's massive all over the world it seems that people want a bit of a rest from the lockdown and they've gone to see these goat pictures you've you've been speaking to the world's press haven't you about
4: this basically yes um i, I was in i've been in the new york times i've been on uh radio basically all the way across the world um, so many different places are after the footage um they all want to share it on their social media and stuff um and and you know so many different i mean I, I must have spoke to half the bbc as well um and and itv wales uh bbc wales um, so many different places. It's just been non-stop. And, you know, it's it's that point where you realize that you've got to turn notifications off on your phone because otherwise the battery will just go within a very short period of time. That's probably another one now that you can hear. Um, and <laughs> it's it's just, it's gone massive and mad
1: so you've gathered you've got about thousands or more followers now because of this you are officially slash unofficially the goat guy on twitter oh yeah i've
4: had to change I mean, this my is... twitter bio um to Goat correspondent um and i've, I've <laughs> gone up from three thousand odd followers to fifteen thousand followers you're all going to be expecting goat content from now on in <laughs> i mean it's going to be the difficult second al- album sim john isn't it how the hell are you going to follow this up well, I'm gonna have to, going to have to think hard, aren't I? But at the moment, at least, we're we're still on lockdown and we um well we don't know when that's gonna end, do we? Um, so uh it could be a while now and these goats could literally be everywhere. In fact, I think that if you live near Klandert now, then uh they might probably come visit you once they get further and further out and more and more adventurous. That sounds very ominous, the goats are coming in. <laughs> I mean, so they're still out on the ball. Then they're still roaming the streets. Uh, I've seen them about quite a few times. Actually, Uh, there was pictures of them about last night um, on the streets, um, and they were uh, just in people's gardens uh, and and just you know doing doing what they do best, and that's eating everything in the path. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think this has been something that's captured everyone's imaginations all of a sudden? because it's something light, something that's different to everything else out there. I mean, you look at the the daily press conference briefings and there's never really much happy news in there. Um, And and if there is in terms of like what the government are going to do to support people in this, there's still the fact that, you know, this is massive amount of money that they're going to have to spend on this. Um, It's going to change our country forever. And... What do people need? They need a bit of light relief. There's not much of that around at the moment because we're all locked indoors. Um and it is the same. It's like, you know, um Joe Wick's doing his YouTube tutorials and and his his you know things. And this is just fun and people love it.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for capturing us, capturing it and giving us a rest from all the, the negative news. Um keep on going. Let's see what how the GOAT. Um, the goat uh, situation carries on.
4: Yeah, I will. I will definitely keep an eye on that for you. Uh, it is now my sworn duty on this earth to keep an eye on those goats, and I will. I will do my very best.
1: And that was my chat with Andrew Stewart, video producer at the Manchester Evening News, turned goat correspondent in Landudno. And that's all we've got time for on Alone Together today. Thanks for listening to our podcast. So stay safe, stay positive, stay informed, and stay tuned. This has been a Laudable production from the newsrooms of Birmingham Live, the Edinburgh Evening News, and the Manchester Evening News. You can download Alone Together wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the NTL app for iOS and Android.
0: You can keep in touch with me, Dan, and Morvin by following Laudable on Twitter, where we are at Laudable or by searching for loadable underscore podcasts on Instagram. See you next time.